I'm Dean Jackson. He's Joe Polish. And this is the I Love Marketing Podcast. everybody, it's Dean Jackson. And Joe Polish. Joe Polish. Like nail polish. Almost like that. I've said that, Almost I think, like hundreds that. of times. I, in, well, on, just on this podcast, if you factor in if I had a nickel for every time I've said that in my life. You'd be rich. Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't be I having like to it. do this nonsense, huh? We don't get paid for doing this. So, yeah, Uh-oh, we, wait a second. Something's missing. Something's wrong. Well, welcome back. Well, thank you. Been, uh, so, so here's the deal. You you did a uh, episode with uh, Jennifer and Brian uh, that I was not able to um, be part of, and well, and let's clarify why that's the case. So, our last episode on iTunes, prior to this one, uh, there was a uh, uh, episode that you did with uh, with uh, Brian uh, Franklin and uh, Jennifer, and um, I heard it was really good, but I haven't listened it, to it, it yet. It really and is the deal, good. Yeah. Now, the deal is uh, we had that originally scheduled at the time where I could be on it, but you screwed up the um, following up with Brian to verify it. So Brian was ready to do the call, uh, but you were not or something along those lines, but you are the culprit. You're the reason. It's all, it all comes down to me. Well, no, no. It truly was in yeah. that particular case. I and so, I mean... So and then I, after the time trying that, and trying, yeah. So uh, you just did it without me because I was at uh, I think the Conscious Capitalism Conference, which uh, with you know started with John Mackey, the you know founder of Whole Foods. It, it was that was actually really good. Brene Brown. Have you ever seen her uh, her TED Talk? Uh, I have. Yes, she's yeah, okay. The one on vulnerability. Of, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she did. She did like a four and a half hour session, which was great. I hit it off with her. She was awesome. Um, And um, you know, there was like the CEO of Whole Foods there, and uh, my friend Tony Schwartz, who wrote a whole bunch of different books, you know, powerful engagement and stuff. And he gave a stellar talk. There, there, there was a lot, and and we'll talk about that stuff in a future episode because I'm going to write some articles about it with Jr.'s help. You know, the magical, uh, mysterious Jr. Um, (laughs) The magical, not so mysterious anymore. Yeah. Yeah, well, so here, here's the thing. Uh, there was a comment on um, about the Brian and Jennifer episode, and I wanted to get your clarification on it because someone said they, they talk about the, the delegating of, of marketing, and Joe says not to delegate marketing in the checkbook. Oh, I saw that too. Yeah, yeah. And that's I think there we go. Okay. That's a great thing to talk about because there's the kind of thing that ties in with what we want to ultimately talk about today, which is to – carry on the conversation about the self-milking cow. But when you say you don't delegate the marketing or the checkbook, I know that what you mean is that you don't just abdicate that to somebody. You don't just say, oh, you do the marketing or you you run the checkbook. That's not it at all. And uh, there's a big distinction between delegating and abdicating. And, you know, uh, what Brian and Jennifer are all for is setting up marketing that you can 
delegate, that you can delegate the execution of it. And I had, I don't know that you and I've talked about this. I had a really great distinction in Chicago um, at Eben's Accelerate event when um, Wyatt Woodsmall was talking about the difference between, there are two types of challenges. He calls them uh, adaptive challenges and technical challenges. And a technical challenge is something that the answer is known and you just need to know how to do it. You just need to learn how to do it. Like installing a new, um, a new mic into your, your audio system or installing a new operating system or recording a podcast. All the answers to those things are known and you just need to know how to do it. That's, that's a technical challenge. Then the other types of challenges are what he calls adaptive challenges, which are things that the answer is not known and you need to figure it out. And that is, that was a really key distinction because the thing, um, you know, it's really like adaptive challenges are the things that are, um, unique about they would tie in with being a cow, actually, that knowing when you start talking about the marketing, if you take the adaptive challenge of marketing is trying to figure out what's going on in the mind of your prospect, what are the conversations that they're having and figuring out what do you say to those people? How do you what, what words do you put on paper? or in an email or on a website that will get them to raise their hand. And then how do you communicate with them to educate and motivate them and make an offer? And those kind of things, those are adaptive challenges because you need to figure out what to say to them. But once you've cracked that code, once you know what to put on the website or what to say in the email or what to say on the website, you've, solved the adaptive challenge of that and now executing that ramping it up scaling like Brian or uh, like Brian and Jennifer would talk about is a technical challenge then you you already know what to say what to do you can now show somebody how to execute that and that is something that you most definitely should delegate because once you've solved the problem, there's no, um, there's no need for you to be the one that, that executes on that. Yeah. And, you I know, think- and I've always said a million, million times with the, with the distinction that I make about it is you don't ever delegate the marketing of the checkbook until and unless you have checks and balances. Absolutely. Right. On and top I know that it. you always say that whenever you say it and, you know, you're absolutely right. And the same thing with the checkbook. Once you get that, once you've got your, your reporting systems in place and you've got your tracking systems and your accounting system and all of that, certainly you should delegate all of that. It's not saying that you should be, um, you know, crossing, you're not, you're not <laughs> paying every bill and, and, you know, inputting every, uh, every receivable into the system, but you can't take your eye off of it. You know, you've set up checks and balances so that all you need to do is is oversee those things, to watch and keep, make sure that somebody is doing what needs to be done. Well, yeah, let, let me mention this too. And I mean, from years of having run a business with, you know, over the years, I've probably had, you know, 75 employees. Um, 
and basically, um, you know, people take their eye off the ball all the time and we, we get on track, we, you know, fall off track, we stay on track, you know, depending on how, you know, how your brain works, how, how much, you know, to use Michael Gerber terminology from way back when, you know, how much of your time you're spending in the technician role, the entrepreneur role, the manager role. And of course, most of my roles are entrepreneur because I don't really like the technician uh, role in the management role as much. Um, but everybody has those different sides to themselves. And, you know, when it comes, you can take your eye off the ball and people certainly do, but what happens is you, you suffer the consequences. And if you, if you don't um, pay attention, uh, the consequences could be, you know, complete devastation and loss of your business and a waste of your life and your life savings and everything that goes along with the nightmares of people that have really tried to make a business work and, and then haven't. Um, what I will say, uh, as it relates to marketing, is a lot of people think they're delegating marketing by getting a marketing department or hiring a marketing director, and they think that's actually delegating marketing, and I guess you can argue that it is, um, but what happens if someone that is the business owner does not own at least the aspect of making sure um, the sales come in the door, that the marketing is being done effectively, uh, and, and the key word is effectively, uh, you know, many business owners, the vast majority of them are continually, you know, dealing with rude awakenings all the time because they think they're delegating when they're really abdicating. And mm -hmm. that's the, that's a, that's a, an important, uh, distinction. So important that hearing it, yeah, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, really, I mean, me and you can go to a hundred businesses and if we sat down with them, we could find dozens, if not hundreds uh, of areas where they think they're delegating, but they're just abdicating or, or they're just oblivious. And so mm -hmm. as it relates to direct response and direct response being what we teach and what we use and what we know is uh, the best way of marketing and selling anything, um, you know, you, you got to understand the power of words. You got to understand the power of offers. You got to understand the importance of your list. You got to under, understand the importance of recency of contact with you and communication and bonding and all of that. And if you don't have a good handle on that, if you really don't understand it, you're not going to delegate marketing all that effectively. You're going to abdicate it. So those mm -hmm. are my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Well, and that makes sense because, you know, it really ties into what this idea I noticed in the comments on the first episode that we did about the self milking cow that, that some people were saying, um, you know, they're wondering about the role of the farmer and what, you know, what is the, the you know, to, um, wondering about that. Some people maybe well, feel well, like, let's do this. Let's do this too. In case someone popped onto this episode and they hadn't heard that other one, just go through and define it again. The self milk milking cow. I'd, I'd love to have you explain who is the farmer. Who's the cow? What's that work? What do you even mean by self milking cow? Let, let's do a refresher on that and then say what you're going to say. Cause I know, <laughs> okay. I know it's really so important. Here's the thing. And really, I think that the best thing that they're going to be able to do is certainly go and listen to episode 127. And um, see what that's uh, what that's all about. But generally, the idea is that there are two types of of people. There are cows, and there are farmers. And this realization came to me as I was thinking about and reflecting on this 
process of setting up these, what I'm calling 90 minute books. And, um, you know, I'd been working with some people in my mastermind group to create <coughs> books that are, um, you know, on create space, nice paperback <coughs> books, 50, 60 pages that get a whole idea across and realized that what I had done is set up a process where, um, the, the entrepreneur, all they really need to do is be present for 90 minutes where, you know, we would do a, a little half hour, um, kind of brainstorm and, and clarifying to get the content down, get all the, um, ideas that we're going to talk about, come up with a great title and some, some chapter headings, and then schedule a one hour, um, podcast interview. And, you know, the, the, best um, example of that is exactly the last episode that I did with uh, Brian and Jennifer. That's in the process of being turned into a book called Rapid Growth uh, right now. And that, you know, we did exactly that format. We talked for 30 minutes uh, ahead of time. We scheduled the time to do the uh, the interview and, and we talked for an hour about all of those concepts. And because it was really... Um, you know, such, they've got so much great information and such a depth of knowledge of it. They really did a great job of distilling it into one hour and getting that, um, getting those, uh, thoughts out there. Now, um, most people who are going through the process of creating a book, the adaptive challenge is what's easy for them. They already know what they want the book to be about. They already know what they want to say. They've been, you know, carrying it around in their, their udders for years. They've got, you know, they could just start, uh, you could just sit them down and start milking right away and all of this great content would come out, but they get crippled by or tipped. I love how you say it, getting like cow tipped by the technical challenges of not knowing, well, how do I, I'm not that good a writer or I, how do I set it up or what format do I use or where do I find create space or how do I get the cover designed? All those technical challenges, right? How do I record it? Where do I get it transcribed? All those things that the answer is known and you just need to figure it out. If you haven't figured it out, it's like crippling because it's so, uh, it seems overwhelming when you don't even know where to start. And so, that requires a farmer. And I think that the, the, I've been thinking a lot about the, the roles of both. And I want to be crystal clear that there's not anything, um, lesser about being a farmer. A farmer is ultimately the one who is needed to make all of this happen. And there are very successful people who build organizations completely around being farmers. And I, I was thinking about um, you know, we used uh, Dan Sullivan as an example of a of a the the prototypical cow guy who's got you know one guy a hundred farmers and you know they're all rallied around the the milk of Dan Sullivan and he's got a whole team around him to um, to support spreading and distributing and and um, processing the milk 
And all he does is basically come up with the ideas and work with a project manager to get that uh, project out into the world and let the farm take the rest of it. And you go, you know, you, you can point to lots of other people who are creatives who have set up whole organizations around them. Um, you know, you look at um, somebody like Martha Stewart as another example of a cow who's got brilliant um, ideas and, and lots of stuff to get out there. And she's got, you know, 680 people at, at uh, Omnimedia that are completely rallied behind getting her ideas out into the world. And she's got such a successful farm operation that now she can bring other people into that farm operation. She finds people like Mario Batali or, or these other um, chefs that she can plug into her system. Even um, Oprah Winfrey is a is the perfect example of a cow. And she's got a whole organization around her that can, uh, you know, she brings people into her farm. People like Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, all of these things are plugging them into her existing, um, her existing farm operation and getting them um, jump started. And I think if we take it even okay, down so wait, to... Okay, so wait, for, for, di for distinction for our listeners, though, what, what, what would make Oprah a cow versus a farmer? Okay, now this was really interesting because if you look at what Oprah's, what Oprah's milk is, if you think about this um, idea, if we think about the mind milk as the content, the ideas, the, the output, um, you know, her milk is her ability to be with people, interviewing them and, you know, getting their, um, you know, sharing their stories, drawing out their stories, um, you know, shedding a light on something, talking her, her, her opinion, her view, her, um, you know, you, you look at even her favorite things episodes, people want to rally and, and be, uh, Oprah is really um, good at kind of spreading um, ideas. You know, when you look at Oprah's book club, she's very influential. And, you know, if somebody was on in Oprah's uh, book club, then she was, uh, it was a sure New York Times bestseller with life-changing um, results for people. Now, when you look at, I, I got a chance to watch, there was a, um, a show, Oprah Behind the Scenes, when she was opening um, OWN, her network. They followed around her um, behind the scenes for the filming of season 25, her 25th season, which was her last. And you got a real inside look at what it really takes to create that type of um, body of work. You know, you look at a show, her, the, the milk of the, the show is putting together the, the episode and she's there and, and, um, being on stage and being with the, um, people. But behind the scenes, she's got five or six or more production teams that are episode production teams. So there's five or six 
like sort of executive producers, production team that goes into creating each episode of the show. And it was amazing to see how they would, uh, Oprah would be talking about, you know, they would together decide what the show is going to be. She was kind of the creative guidance behind all of it, the guiding lights, her, her vision, her sort of, um, guiding where the direction. And then she was rallied behind kind of like these project managers in a way with each episode being a project. And so they would have a lead producer and then they would have an assistant lead producer and they'd have three or four associate producers on that one team. And all of them would get together with Oprah and they would talk about her vision for this show. And they would go to work making that happen so that on the day that that show was filming, Oprah would come in and she'd get in her makeup chair and they'd put on her makeup and the production team would come in and they'd do a final rundown of, of what the, um, what's going on for the episode, all the checks and balances. And then she would go on stage and they would record the show and the show would end and that's it. Now, Oprah's not going uh, she's not behind the camera filming the show and she's not editing the show and she's not making sure the audio is right. And she's not, you know, doing the lighting or filling the crowd or doing any of the things that it requires to make that episode happen. She's focused a hundred percent on the adaptive challenge of what she's going to say on camera, how she's going to make this uh, episode memorable, what she's going to ask the interviewer, you know, the interviewee, what she's going to, the guest, what she's going to say to draw them out, what she's going to um, do in that conversation to make them feel comfortable enough to, to share things. You know, you look at that whole organization behind that um, episode are all the farm team that's making that a reality. She couldn't do it without all of those farmers, but doing it at the highest level requires having those farmers, you know? Okay, so let's, uh, you know, and I made all of the, the milk jokes and every sort of twisted yeah. thing I could think of, mostly on the, <laughs> the first episode that we did, so I'll, I'll, I'll ref refrain a little bit from that. Um, so... The milk would be everything that is produced, um, be it a product, a service, or in Oprah's case, a performance. Exactly. Correct? Yeah. Right. Okay. That's and exactly so right. everyone that's around there that is doing something to help that milk or milking that cow mm -hmm. um, is like the production people, although they're producing, they're really not what you would consider cows. They're farmers, correct? Exactly. Right, right, right. Okay, and so if if there's an if she's bringing in like a Dr. Phil Oprah into her, you know, she she's a curator. I mean, Oprah curates, well, and that she could brings be exactly. She's like a happy cow roaming the pastures, looking for and finding other cows who don't have a farm. I mean, she's out when she found Dr. Phil. He was a legal, um, um, you know, um, consultant working, you know, in communication. And, but he didn't have an outlet. He didn't have 
any way to get his milk out into the world. And so she can bring him onto the farm. She can put him in the chair. She can make him a recurring guest, build up him, uh, make him very popular, and then set him up with the farm team that is going to create his own show so that all he has to do is think about and solve the adaptive challenges of what are we going to do shows about? What do we want to address? What's my unique perspective on this? What's, you know, Dr. Phil's milk is his time spent with people um, on camera going through that whole um, interviewing process or, or coaching them or giving his opinion on those things, you know, and everything else around that, all the technical challenges of finding guests and, and arranging so that they're on the stage at the right time. And, and, you know, he could, uh, we mentioned in the first episode, uh, about the self-milking cow, this test of can you go through your day with your cow hoof mittens on, you know, because the, the real things, the adaptive challenges are more about thinking and communicating than they are about the technical, um, things of, of using or needing opposable thumbs, you know? Right. <laughs> Could you say those opposable thumbs again? What does that mean? Well, I mean, you know, you look at it that I think it's just a, a, a way of drawing attention to the idea of, um, you know, that doing things like, uh, you know, all the, all the technical things that most creative entrepreneurs get trapped up in um, are the things that let you know that you're kind of going out of the cow realm. You know, you're, you're going into now the realm of, of trying to, to be a farmer and, and cows don't know how to do that kind of stuff or, or don't, don't want to do that kind of stuff. You know, it's where they get, they get uh, tripped up or tipped. As you say, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you get tipped? And it's been amazing because everybody I've, I've um, heard from or talked to, you know, that was really a good thing for them. They're kind of, they have an awareness now. They're going through their day and they're thinking, how much of this was really, um, you know, uh, things that that I could have had somebody else do, you know? Um, one of the comments in the things is saying, uh, as he was talking about doing tasks with cow hoof gloves on, I realized everything I did yesterday was being an imitation farmer. I had the concept complete, but I ended up doing the transcription, the PowerPoint editing, and the audio recording for Cantasia. More than half the hours I spent were not cow work, but specialty farmer tasks. Truly enlightening. Thank you. And, you know, I think that's the thing. If you really look at it, you know, what are the things that are, where's the, um, where's the line drawn between the adaptive challenge and the technical challenge, you know? So for our listeners, what do you think is the greatest takeaway in action that this concept, this model could, and, and to use a guilt word, should, bring to them if they um, fully 
engage with it, understand it, and apply it. Well, I think that the world is full of people who are cows who are roaming around needing a farmer. And a lot of them are kind of roaming around and they're wishing and hoping and waiting that somebody would, that these things are going to resolve themselves, right? Or they're fretting or worrying or there's a lot of angst of, oh, I don't know how to do this, or they're spending a lot of time and money trying to figure out how to do things that somebody already knows how to do expertly, you know? And if you think about, I think that, um, you know, bringing it even closer to, to us, to our world, I think that what Vishen Lakani has done with Mind Valley is set up a very happy environment for cows. You know, if you take like really essentially at its heart, he's a, a publishing um, organization where he's, you know, he's finding content producers, especially in the personal development and, and um, spiritual world kind of thing um, where the people like that, they want to get their ideas out into the world. They, they're, they are good at, they've got a lot to say, they've got a lot to share, but they don't have any interest in or an aptitude for learning the, um, all the things it takes to really get your life changing message out into the world, you know? And so what vision's whole organization is set up around. And we heard him talk about when we had him as a guest on the show, all the lengths that they go to, to really perfect the, the art of farming for information, you know, to get that uh, as a publishing thing out into the world, even just as far as, um, you know, getting traffic and, and, getting conversions and, and all of those kind of things, handling customer service and building apps and creating products and all the things that are in support of brilliant cows who we may never have ever heard from if they hadn't aligned themselves with or gotten um, in a relationship with somebody like Vision or figured it out for themselves. And it's much more likely that there's a bigger opportunity to find those cows and help get them out into the world, you know, than to um, hope that somebody's going to find you, you know, as a cow. Right. Right. So how, how many entrepreneurs, and I mean, of course there's no, exact answer. Uh, I don't even know if you could even guesstimate this, but how, how many entrepreneurs do you think are mostly cow versus how many mostly farmers? I wonder myself and I, I, you know, it would be really interesting to see. And I had this vision of, you know, if we had a, a um, conference or something to have people wearing either uh, cow t-shirts or farmer t-shirts, you know, to kind of match people up like that. But um I, I wonder it myself. I would think that um, there might be fewer cows than farmers, maybe, but I don't know. I don't know. What's and, your, I mean, what is? What do you think intuitively? This is the first, like, I've never thought about it like that. You know, I just know that the ratio is certainly 
um, seems to be tipped in the in um, that that there needs to be more farmers in support of one cow than there is, um, you know, that a farmer can handle cows, you know? Yeah. Well, see, it's, it's a much easier question to ask than answer. Of course. Um, yeah. it's kind of like the saying, it's a lot easier to deal with other people's marketing problems than your, than dealing with your own. Right. Um, yeah, that's true. So, you know, I think even as I asked it, you know, it's kind of funny asking a question that, you know, you, you're never going to get an exact answer to, but it right. just makes you think about it, which is really the purpose of asking it. Not that we even per se need the exact answer or even anywhere close. This is something to think about. I think a lot of it has to do with industries. Like if you take all of the people that are most of our close friends, you know, most of them are authors or, you know, they do public speaking. Uh, So there's a lot of cows in our world, but then you branch it out into different industries. Like, you know, the, the, the tech industries are filled with cows, you know, very innovative people that are in desperate need of of farmers. And then you go to a lot of declining industries where there's a, a lot of farmers left, but the cows have, have left you know, and they've abandoned, you know, their, their farm per se. And it's, it's interesting. I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, industry sectors. I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, just what sort of business you've decided to pursue, uh, be it a, a product, a service, a, you know, uh, a knowledge, uh, you know, knowledge based expertise business i mean there it's 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 interesting to think about yeah i think um, you go like you go to um and you're going to be speaking at uh, at brendan's um uh, which one are you speaking at experts expert Academy? industry association okay so you look at that the expert industry association people identifying themselves as experts are most likely cows you know that right. they've got a message, the millionaire messenger, all the people that, 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 uh, Brendan kind of attracts are probably inherently cows. They've got a message that they want to get out into the world. Um, then there are other conferences and there are other things that are, <laughs> i give you a perfect example. I went to the uh, future of web apps conference a few years ago. Uh, Jesse and I went in Miami. And it, I mean, it struck me, I was thinking, okay, we're going to have like this great discussion about the future of web apps and, and all the, you know, ideas and the, the future, um, um, industry trends and all that kind of stuff, right? Web app ideas. And they had some great, uh, um, you know, breakout sessions and great titles on them. And I, I sat in one, in one of the breakout things and, uh, we're going to talk about like this one, uh, particular type of app. And then the guy put up the first slide and it was all code, you know, and I realized it was like, holy cow, these guys are like, I'm, they might as well be talking Chinese. I have no idea what this is or what they're talking about. And I realized that I have no business in what I call uh, behind the screen, you know, and I think that there's a good distinction is like, if you're the guy who's deciding what should be on the front of the screen, like what it should say and what it should do and asking, you know, answering the question, what, that's really the, the question of a cow and all the, you know, behind the screen 
are the things that are the technical uh, things, you know, of how to make that work. Because there's very, um, you know, programming and things like that are by their nature very technical challenges because you have to follow a very precise set of rules that make a programming language work um, that's already been set out. You know, somebody created that language and everybody can, can follow that language because they know how to use that language to make things happen, right? But somebody is telling them what they want to have happen, you know? So I think that if your preference is to think of what things, what do I want, what do, what, what do I want to say, what do I want to get out there, um, those kind of things. Or, you know, if your favorite question is, is how, then, you know, trying to figure out something, you know, how, knowing how to do something, how to, um, how to edit audio, how to, um, you know, do uh, graphic um, design or how to uh, lay out a, a book format or how to program a website or how to code a website for um, SEO. Um, all of those kind of things are really in, um, you know, an opportunity to take an idea and, and execute it, you know? I think right. that's really kind of the thing is like, uh, that could be one of the things is ideas are the, the cow world and execution is the farm world. You know, that might be a good way to think about it. And again, it's really valuable to have this discussion about it because it's kind of evolving as we're discussing it. And I am hoping, you know, everybody will kind of get involved in the, in the conversation there, you know, but I realized that there's gotta be, um, you know, if you, if you can set up something that is going to completely solve, uh, a problem for somebody, if you think about who, uh, um, a, a particular cow that you could serve, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be one, one cow, but let's say your, your audience is, um, is a cow, um, you know, like web, uh, designers or, uh, web developers, you know, to somebody can come to them and say, oh, this is what we, this is what I want. And then be able to, um, execute on that, you know? Well, so let's, let's talk about how this applies to, uh, Dan Sullivan's unique ability concept. So, you know, he and talks about before. It, it's, it, it's similar, but there's a distinction, you know, I think that because somebody's unique ability could be doing, uh, technical work, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, so right. the thing I was going to say, you know, the, the, the Dan Sullivan talks about, you know, four different areas to operate out of, uh, incompetence, uh, competence, excellent and unique ability. And, mm -hmm. you know, incompetent is you're not good at it. You're never going to be good at it. You don't get any energy from it. It's draining. You know, you're probably the worst person to do it. And when you're first starting out in business or if you fall back into it or you lose a key person, you may find yourself stuck with, um, the responsibility um, of having to handle something that you're completely not equipped with, capable of, in over your head, 
constantly. I mean, that's that's how many business owners just go under and get completely overwhelmed. There's just too many things, and of course, uh, that's happened many, many times in in, in my my life and in my business. Uh, so you try to stay out of those areas, uh, you know, as much as humanly possible. And then there's you know competence where you can kind of get by, but it's draining. It doesn't give you any energy, and you're really you know you're you're, you're at a performance level. You're just competent enough to do it, but that's about it. And then excellence, where you can be extremely skilled and extremely good at something. Um, for instance, public speaking. You know, I'm I'm pretty good at public speaking. Most people would consider me excellent uh, when I do presentations. Uh, however, I, I have to limit it though because um, there are certain types of public speaking that I don't like. And, you mm-hmm. know, I like my 25K group. I like doing events like that. I like preaching to the converted. I don't like preaching to the unconverted. Right. Um, having to sell people, you know, so I'm excellent, but it, it really takes a lot of energy from me. And then, of course, there's unique ability, um, which I would put into the way that I actually facilitate, you know, doing, you know, just genius networking. You know, going out and doing genius networking is my, you know, one well, of my unique abilities. Goes, I think there's something about that that, you know, I don't think that it should go without noting that your 25K event in New York was a huge success. And all these 10-minute talks and all these somewhat longer talks, and you you didn't even talk at your own event. No, no. I mean, I talked, but not that much. <laughs> I mean, great. I facilitated you facilitated I, exactly, which is I emceed, I introed, I I made yeah. jokes, I I you know kind of I'm you know I mean I'm I'm the glue that's holding all of it together, right, but I'm certainly exactly. not the big I'm not the big tapestry. I'm like a hinge. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. in that particular case, am I a cow or am I a farmer? Well, I think that your well, that's a great question. Let's let's work it out, right? Because what your your ability, your unique ability is organizing these events and organizing all of the people to come around, right? You're out wandering the fields and you're meeting cool people and you're flying to Austin to have lunch with John Mackey and you're going to Singularity University and meeting all these cool people and, and you're out in the field um, meeting people and bringing them, you know, facilitating these groups, but you're not like, um, you know, reserving the room and dealing with the banquet facilities and organizing lunch and making sure the audio is going to be right. And the stage is all set and the, uh, you know, all of that stuff. You're, you are a cow with, Farmers who are making that vision a reality. They're executing on that. You're the what of what you uh, do is you're going to have the highest level summit of the world's leading direct marketers, you know? Yes, exactly. And, and most everything... of the people there are, are, are very, they're golden cows. They are cows. That's exactly it. That is exactly right. They are golden cows. Mm. Like Do you know that. what the distinction is? I think that's, I like, that's like, uh, that's one, that's like going to 11. 
It's one. Right. No, I'm just making that shit up anyway. Go on Cal's no, Pro and whatever. Good. But that's yeah. but there's the thing. I think that everybody has the potential if they are a cow to uh to be a golden cow. I mean, how many people you know, there are lots of people who have their um ideas, their their Ideas are are bigger than their ability to get them out into the world. And you know when you run into people like that and discover them, you know? Or if you're one of them. <laughs> or if you're one of them, exactly. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that that I think that the first stage is awareness, you know, and, and you have to realize that to build a really high-level farm, you know, a really high-level farm, it requires having that awareness and knowing what that's going to take, you know, and knowing that you're going to set up the uh set up the the farm to um to accommodate you you know yeah let me let me give you a couple of thoughts on this too because for all of our listeners out there um you know they're listening they could either perceive this as listening to a couple of guys talk about you know cows and farmers and trying to fit in these you know uh analogies and you know put people into a, you know, some label in order to identify certain behaviors and everything, which is, would be absolutely accurate. Um, yeah. the, the, the bigger takeaway that I would like, uh, is to get, is to gain perspective is to question really what it is you're doing, how you're doing it. What is the highest leverage, uh, you know, activity. And I remember this thing I used to have on an, uh, this line I had on, um, uh, an old, uh, Apple computer. Remember those desktops that they had like the round bottom base and the, the swinging uh, monitor and it would like swivel around. Remember that one? It would go up and down. I still think it was one of the most artistically cool Apple computers that they made. I do. you remember that one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and I put that line that Steve Jobs ha- had from his Stanford speech, and this was like right after I heard it, not after it got played a bazillion times on YouTube after he passed away, but um, where he said, you know, if, uh, if today was the last day of my life, would I do what I'm about to do? It's something right. along those lines. I didn't say it right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, looking in would the mirror, I, Would right. I do what I'm about to do today? And, you know, the, the biggest takeaway from these sort of conversations is there there is so much potential that human beings, especially entrepreneurs, have uh, sitting dormant inside of them, ready to be awakened. And now potential, people get all excited and, uh, oh, you know, I want to reach my potential. Well, potential just means you haven't done it yet. So I don't give a shit about potential if it's never realized. What I give a shit about is unlocking it, uh, expressing it, uh, packaging it, communicating it, giving people strategies, methodologies on how to connect that potential with something that makes it real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you, you don't build a great reputation by talking about what you're going to do. Oh, you build boy. a great reputation by actually doing what you're so, capable of For some of reason, doing. it looks like we've And lost, you become uh, better by becoming Joe. more capable. As he was and, talking you know, about three that, of my you know, favorite words from that, Strategic Coach that really defines what I've back. always focused on selling, um, 
uh, you know, starting uh, to, with, you know, carpet cleaners and various different business owners and a lot of service businesses originally. And now obviously, you know, industry transformers and, you know, some of the world's leading entrepreneurs is, is direction, confidence and capability where, you know, what I want is someone to have more direction, more confidence, more capability. And of course, another strategic coach word is, is clarity. Um, and, you know, that's, I've heard Dan Sullivan talk about all of those things numerous times, and I've had numerous conversations with him. And, you know, one of the big takeaways, even when me and you started this, this podcast, going back to episode one, uh, when we, when we started it, you know, our, uh, w- one of our original conversations before we did it is we had this great conversation. I think it was in December of 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when it was, right? I think it was December yeah. 2010. And, and we said, you know, um, I said, Dean, you know, imagine if this conversation we just had was recorded and other entrepreneurs were able to hear it, mm-hmm. how useful that would be for them. And you, you, yeah, you agree. We've been when having we, those conversations for years, you know? Yeah. 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 For like 15 years. And, and the thing was, is like, we would have those conversations, you know, we didn't use cow and farmer analogies back then, but <laughs> right. we were identifying what each other's skill sets were. And we were talking to each other because we were trying to help each other get better and figure things out. And should we do this? Should we do that? You know, the same shit that all human beings are trying to do all the time, you know, mm-hmm. in whatever area they're trying to do it in. Uh, the thing is, every time someone listens to one of our episodes on I Love Marketing, you know, they may, on a scale of 1 to 10, think it's, uh, you know, a 10 is the best and, you know, 1 is lame, whatever, or they're kind of in the middle. And, you know, so I think people kind of go in, you know, in, in, in the middle and hopefully closer to 10 as much as, as we can talk about stuff that, that opens up their, their minds. Uh, most of it, though, is I just want people, at, after listening to it, going, you know, yeah, you know, I got more direction, I got more confidence, I got more capabilities as a result of this. And so a lot of, of, of what we talk about are tactics. Some of it is strategies, uh, but a big part of it is just giving you a, a way to think about thinking. You know, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's just, and, and that's what I think one of your biggest uh, skill sets is, is, is uh, you know, the, the Dan Sullivan, that line, uh, the problem is not the problem. The problem is how you think about the problem. Right. I think and that's if, exactly it, right. And I think that the awareness what I'm seeing, and this is exactly our wish, is that um, I think if you look at it from um, the perspective of you're a cow, if you're a cow, and looking at your day and realizing how many things could I do with my cow hoof mittens on, you know, how many, how many things could I do? And where the challenges, where the frustration, where the the um, friction comes is when you're doing things that are, um, you know, technical challenges usually, things that you don't know how to do as well as, as somebody else could do or certainly something that somebody else could do, period. And, you know, you look at there's so much evidence that, um, and we've heard it again and again from from. Um, all kinds of people, even Richard Branson said when Yannick asked him how, how, you know, what's it take to run three or 400 companies and, and run billions of dollars. And Richard just said immediately, well, you can't really do anything. And <laughs> there's a guy who is a, a cow who has 
incredible ideas about the way things should be and an incredible opportunity or ability to spot opportunities and to uh, bring his approach about what, what it should be, what, you know, how to approach the airline industry or how to approach the, the cell phone industry or any of the companies that the, that Virgin goes into. And then he finds great farmers who can run those organizations or run the, the operation of them and, and gets out of their way, you know, and he gets together with them to maybe talk about the vision and talk about the, um, the strategy, but not get involved in the operation of it, you know? Yep, exactly. Well, so I and think plus, that, mm-hmm. it, well, let, let me say this too, is, uh, Maybe in the beginning he did a lot of farming, but if you yeah. really if you really plow properly, if you really get the yeah. right seeds and you get the right equipment and you get the right people and the right plan, uh, you can you can do a lot of what, but it'll turn you into a who because you know there's also comments on there uh, like the last episode saying oh th- you know this was uh, this was so much better than the interview with Richard Branson and everything. And it's funny how many different comments we have on our episodes on iTunes and also on, uh, mm-hmm. um, I love marketing.com, the comments where, you know, so many different people have what their version is of a favorite episode. And, and I always think yeah. it's funny when someone's like, this is the best one you guys have ever done. Well, that's either, that's the most recent one we've ever done that if they've listened to all of them because it's fresh in their mind, or right. they just got something out of this one that was better than that one. I mean, why does yeah. somebody like one song and hate another? Well, many people right. hate one song, you know, why does, you know, it's, it's all how it hits your taste buds and our brains have different taste buds. I mean, our, our brains, uh, respond to what they're hearing in it and it just resonates and it makes sense. And so this yeah. is, this is an ongoing conversation that you can have with yourself the rest of your life as it relates to, to your behavior and to your skills and to who you decide to associate with and bring into your mm-hmm. company and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But you know, mm-hmm. the last thing I'll say about your, your Branson conversation, you know, if, if there's anything that, that he said to me that was the most interesting in the time that I've known him, because Richard has a hard time, uh, unless he really doesn't want to share it. He, he has a hard time explaining what he does and how he does it. Uh, he's an intuitive entrepreneur. I, I, I've done more interviews with, with Richard on business stuff than got probably anyone at least that I know that's recorded. And, uh, I was, you know, in his kitchen, uh, one on Necker Island, um, you know, not the last trip, but the trip prior, prior to that. And, uh, I, I was asking him, uh, this is before the main house burnt down. Now the main house mm-hmm. is rebuilt and we're doing our next trip in March of next year. But basically, uh, you know, I, I asked him, you've heard me talk about this, uh, on di- in la- previous episodes. I was like, uh, you know, when's the last time you went to a grocery store, Richard? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever been to a grocery store. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's impossible. What about with, you know, you're signing the sex pistols. You had to go get like a six pack or something for, you know, Sid Vicious or Johnny Rotten. And he's like, you know, I, I don't remember being in a grocery store. And I'm like, uh, when's the last time, you know, you've done laundry. And he kind of looked up and like really thinking, he's like, I, I don't think I've ever done laundry. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do you, I mean, who the hell's never done laundry? I mean, you've never done. Yeah. And he's like, you know, my mom did. I said, what about when you're growing up? He's like, my mom, you know, did my laundry. And he's like, Joe, <laughs> you, you hire people to do that stuff. You have to delegate. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And I thought that was like so freaking funny. 
And just the willingness to take this on versus the unwillingness. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you, unwillingness has caused me more stress and angst and pressure and loss than anything. And willingness also has done that too, because being willing to try certain things has also had its fair share of, you know, ups and downs. But the willingness to try on a different hat with intelligence, with strategy, with thought, not just blindly, uh, is what changes your life. It's what changes mm-hmm. your business. And we have, you know, me and you have encountered, luckily, and we, we're doing this with our podcast now with people we've never even met before because we meet them in person when we run into them in conferences and stuff, um, is, you know, you know s- someone will be chugging along, you know, or barely surviving They're, you know, they're in this survival state and, and they'll get an idea. They'll get a concept. It'll, cl- it'll click. And then all of a sudden their business will explode. And, and, and I believe that most human beings won't change. I mean, if someone's who they're at right now, 10 years from now, they're just going to be an older version of where they're at. If they're mediocre, they're going to be a 10 year old mediocre version, maybe even worse because they're going to be less energy or maybe burnt out or whatever. Um, but occasionally, you'll see uh, a tiger change its stripes and people believe that a tiger cannot change its stripes. And, you know, and so I'm using for analogy purposes. I have seen people absolutely change. I've done that myself. I mean, I have seen people uh, become butterflies that have been caterpillars for a long ass time. And one of the greatest examples of this that really shifted my thinking was when I was doing the better, your best contest that I've done for years with professional carpet upholstery cleaners. Uh, the second year that I was given away a a brand new Hummer, (laughs) Um, I'd given away my convertible Jaguar that Bill Phillips gave me the, at the first year that I did it. And so the second year, a guy named Steve Cameron, who is a, a professional cleaner out in uh, Georgia, uh, Stone Mountain, um, basically for 22 years, this guy had averaged uh, 100 and I think it was 122,000 uh, a year. Uh, average, if he took the total of 22 or 23 years he had been in business. And within one year of joining my group, um, the better your best, uh, entering the contest, being part of my platinum group, this guy doubled his, his revenue. Um, I mean, to Ooh. over 250,000. And then the next year it was over 300 something thousand. Then, you know, he, he gets up to, you know, the, the half a million mark. Uh, but it was all one big shift. Uh, and, and I, if you were to ask him, you know, I think the biggest shift is not, did you learn anything more about cleaning carpets? Did you become a spectacular marketer? Yeah, I mean that that was part of it. He became a much better marketer. Did you get off the truck more? Did you, you know, uh, you know, teach your your employees how to be more professional? Did you institute training and meetings? Yeah, he did all of that stuff. But, but none of that started though until he he shifted the one thing that needs to be shifted first, which is your mindset. And when you get the right mindset, everything else can fall into place. So this is you know just my my mention to it. it hopefully this self-milking cow uh, and farmer concept, um, you know, shifts your mindset. So you truly can uh, leave this episode and you can get insanely great uh, results. Or if, if you don't get that, at least get a little bit better or hopefully a lot better. Well, yeah. And I think two takeaways, like, you know, number one would be to just look at the things that you're doing, like make a list of all the things that you um, are doing and see, is it, it, you know, is it cow or farmer? Is it producing milk or is it processing, packaging and distributing the milk, you know, getting that 
um, all out there. Now, the other thing is that the real value is realizing that there are so many cows out there. And if you can create a product or service that is making it easy for a cow to just come in and get milked and have something done for them. Like, so I look at it, this, this whole 90 minute book process of, um, you know, setting up a, a process in place that a entrepreneur could come in and spend, um, 30 minutes, you know, getting an outline and a great title for the, for a book and then spend an hour being interviewed and, and getting that information drawn out. And then that's it. And then seven days later, have a, a paperback book in their hand. That is the type of service that is like farm services for a cow. But I think about, so I look at it that I'm the one that set that up, but I'm not a farmer, but I saw that that's something that needs to be done and have set up, created those opportunities to fill those roles. So, you know, the, the opportunity is in a, um, uh, person to, to draw out and, and get the, organize the information and then a transcriptionist to, to transcribe and the facility to, um, record the, the conversation and a designer to make the cover and a layout person to, um, lay it all out and format it for the paperback formatting, getting set up as a, um, as a publisher on, on create space and being able to handle all of the steps aside from creating the milk, that, that is a um, great example of creating something that allows cows to be cows. And that's allows where there's cows to be cows, just allow cows <laughs> to be cows, you know? Well, uh, well, we got to wrap this episode up. So okay. here's here's what I want to do. There's probably I wanna, more to uh, talk well, about. <laughs> well, the, yeah, there's and, well, on the next episode we can probably even continue on this if you want a little yes. bit, um, and we can do maybe a hodgepodge of the next episode because there's a bunch of various uh, experiences that I've had yeah. recently that are great that I'd like yeah. to uh, talk about. Also, I'd I'd like you to put it up on our on I love marketing, but um, you know I, I I I decided to create a blog, a written blog. Which will, you know, include, you know, audios from me and you, of course, that I'll post on there occasionally. And I don't know, I'm going to, I haven't decided how I'm going to update this thing or how frequently, but, uh, didn't, I want to talk about the, the subject of the very first post on it, which is about Tesla. Uh, Elon Mm -hmm. Musk uh, wrote a letter to Tesla, uh, customers and clients. And of course I'm on the list because I put a down payment on a Tesla, like, you know, long, long time ago before anyone ever got one. And I just haven't gotten my Tesla yet. Cause I've been, you know, busy and contemplating, you know, different vehicles along the way. And I made that lovely decision to buy a Fisker, which I ended up giving away to John Benson because you know, what's happened to Fisker and all that jazz. But that being said, uh, I'd like people to go check out the blog and read it. Cause I want to talk about it on the next uh, episode that me and you do on, I love marketing. Okay. And, and it's uh, geniusnetwork.com forward slash blog. And you'll read the article. 
um, about uh, Tesla Motors and it in the letter that Elon Musk ma- uh, sent to his clients, and it literally was a billion dollar letter. Their stock had dropped drastically after that. this yeah. news that was, was a great article, by the way. I'll put a link to it under this uh, episode too. Yeah, and while we've been talking here, you know, talking about cows, uh, and and like I've gotten a text uh, from Ned Hollowell. Okay, the ADD, ADHD uh, doctor from Brendan Bouchard, from David Holloway, uh, who is uh, Brian Holloway's. Uh, it's so funny. Ned Hollowell and, and David Holloway both text to me, uh, very similar last names. But uh, Brian Holloway's, uh, you know, son, who's a you know professional football player, and Brian was a professional football player, and they got all that media attention from their home getting vandalized. That was on yeah, TMZ and all kinds of. Yep. And so he texted me because he wants to talk to me about strategies of they've got like literally uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of hits to the site. Um, and then John Carlton left me a message. So I've got all these goofballs all within the span of us recording this. Mm-hmm. And it, it just occurred to me that th- there's been a lot of, you know, with all these relationships I have with cows. I mean, you know, I'm out there. If you want to meet cows, you got to go out and you got to mingle in the in the freaking fields. Yeah, that's exactly. At least right. I think that's I don't know true. what the hell I'm even talking about right now. But I mean, it no, but seems that's great. I think it's good. I mean, it's like you know, I think next episode we talk about advanced strategies for cows and advanced <laughs> strategies for farmers. You know, <laughs> I would funny. love to so, get everybody's yeah. comments though, like how what their perspective on it is, because I think that's the thing. People are seeing that they're doing a lot of things that are frustrating that are not making milk, and they're. Uh, you know, from the frustrations of a farmer might be creating things that are, it's right there. You know, they, their frustration might be, it's right there. I've, I've created it for them, but their, their customers are cows and they're expecting them to maybe do too much, you know? Right. And, so and you have, I, I, you have freaking swollen udders that need bag bomb put all over them because all these people <laughs> around you are just freaking just, they're trying to just drain you of every ounce exactly. of milk you have. So you really need to share, you really need to share your production and your value with people that actually give a shit and support Absolutely. you and don't kill you. I mean, you need to feed the cow proper nutrition, give it proper rest, let it do That's its thing. Right. That's you know what I learned recently is how burnt out I ha- there are certain things that I'm doing have created for me, and yeah. how I have to even step back and be like, my God, you know, in order for me to be a good cow, you got to just take care of yourself, and and you know, and I'm I'm a pretty I'm a very clean eater, very big in the exercise. Sleep has been, has been lately one of my uh, you know arch enemies, and I'm I'm really working on you know just better sleep, and but all in all. Um, you know, it's, it's like to be, to be really good at producing, not only do you need to be clear on what it is that you, what you, what you do really well and spend as much of your time doing that, but simultaneously build a support structure that allows you to do that and, you know, not spend your time. You know, if you want to be an eight, nine or a 10, you can't spend your, your time on, you know, with one, twos and threes or two, threes and fours or four, five and six activities, people, projects, things like that. So hopefully this, uh, this, episode has helped you think about that and that you leave with more direction, confidence, capability, and clarity, and that you'll go to ilovemarketing.com and leave a comment about what you got out of this episode, what your thoughts and perspectives are, and anything else you'd like to share. We would very much appreciate it. And uh, that's it for me, Dean. Awesome. That's it for me. Talk to you next time.